We are I. All right, so we've just been talking for the last almost 75 minutes and had some excellent conversation and recorded absolutely none of it. Um, but I do feel that there's always that component that there's the conversation is a little bit different when you're not recording than like when we yeah. are recording. I've noticed that. And um, I don't think that we could have had that conversation if we were recording. And I really feel like both of us um, needed to get a lot of stuff off of our minds. So I was, I'm actually really happy that we had that conversation. It's a nice little therapy session we just had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which the best part for me is because I wanted to talk about immune system. Like these are the things that charge my immune system up um, because I just feel so good after having conversations with you. And I know how good I'm going to feel the rest of the day even if we just didn't start this version of the conversation now. So um, I thank you for that. Yeah, thank you too. Yeah. Um, so immune system, like we were just talking about, um, I know that the word immune system gets tossed out all the time and, and people can say immune system and they think they generally understand what that actually means. Um, but when you start to talk about it in any kind of detail about there being a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic nervous system, like it, it's like foreign words that people didn't even know that were attached with it don't understand what those mean, don't understand how they're activated and deactivated, don't know the ways that we can shift from one to the other. Uh, so break it down. Let's rabbit hole this thing. We'll spend as much time as we need to because I want to get as much detail in on immune system as we can. Okay, so parasympathetic versus sympathetic is a concept that's been around since before those two words. So in Chinese medicine, we'll say yin and yang. Um, we might say masculine and feminine. We might say um, that there's a, a Edenati and a Pingalanati in, in yogic terminology. Um, so there's this, there's this concept that there needs to be balance and that one side of the balance is activity, one side is more inactivity. So in terms of Western science and medicine, when we speak of the words parasympathetic and sympathetic, one way that we can view those two things is in terms of activity versus inactivity or engagement versus rest and calm. And so sympathetic would be activity. Sympathetic would be engagement. Now, this is not 100% like to the you know, letter. This is a very general way of understanding these things. Um, parasympathetic would be more the rest and calm. So the sympathetic is a part of the nervous system that is more highly engaged when we're more highly engaged, when we're more amped up, when we are um, having a stress, a response to stressors, for example, the parasympathetic is the aspect of our nervous system, which translates into our mind and our emotional body to a large extent, that is engaged when we are at what we call rest and digest. So 
when we need to be calm and fall asleep, when we need to be calm and digest our food, that aspect of the nervous system is dominant at those times. And if you try to do things that function better when the parasympathetic, when the parasympathetic nervous system is dominant, but you're trying to do them in those states where the sympathetic nervous system is actually dominant, then those parasympathetic activities are not going to go so well. So for example, if you're really angry or you're stressed out or you're really upset for some reason and you, and you eat and you do this on a regular basis, your meals are not going to digest or get absorbed and assimilated as well as if you were in a calm state when you consumed those foods and drinks. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of in a way sort of tied into this is there are, there's a form of yoga called Swara yoga and Swara yoga deals with recognizing which aspect of your nervous system is most active at any given time throughout the day and either switching which side should be is switching which side matches the activity you want to go into or changing your activities based on what's dominant. So this ties into the Ida and the Pangala channels in the yogic system, the yin and yang channels that run through the spine. So one way to do this is to notice which one of your nostrils you're breathing through the most right now. Oh. How do you even tell that? I'm like, how like trying to gain if I can feel that. Feel it when you breathe and then plug the other side. Oh, this side's more restricted, yeah. So your right side is more restricted? Yeah, and left side is easier to breathe out of. Okay, so when your left side is more open or easier to breathe out of, that means that you're more in rest and digest mode. You're more in mode for meditating. When your right side is easier to breathe in and out of or more open, it means that you're more in sympathetic mode. You're more in the mode to go and do things and um, solve tasks and things accomplished. So they're two very different modes. So that right side is the more yang or masculine or more sympathetic. And the left side is the more yin or passive or calm. So right side would be more, and this isn't across the board, but for just kind of understanding parasympathetic versus sympathetic, the parasympathetic would be more the left side dominant. So if your left side's more dominant, you might eat food, you want to meditate, do breathing exercises, have a nice conversation with someone you love. When the right side is more dominant, you want to balance your checkbook, do things that require that you're thinking and doing and problem solving. Go exercise, whatever, whatever those things are, that's more sympathetic. So every 45 minutes to an hour and a half, those sides switch. So there's always a balance happening in the body. One of them shouldn't be like 
mostly activated all the time. They, they, they balance each other out. They take turns to an extent. The problem is that the way a lot of us are experiencing life, we are more prone to be in that sympathetic mode. We're always doing, we're trying to get to appointments. We're trying to accomplish, we're trying. And we're not just being and allowing and that, that being and allowing is more parasympathetic. That encourages good digestion. That encourages a balanced immune system. The parasympathetic is amping everything up. And it can create an overabundance of thinking. It can create an overabundance of doing. And that can relate to any process in the body. And over time, it, it, it often does. So um, in terms of Eastern medicine, you know, a, a, a primary belief is that a large portion of chronic ailments um, and the susceptibility to acute ailments, such as colds and flus, uh, stems from the balance or imbalance in one's nervous and mental and emotional states. What so gets caught in the middle of those two? Like if you, so say if like there's not this harmony between flowing between sympathetic and parasympathetic states, like what's getting caught in the middle when one of those things becomes too dominant? Um, and is it detrimental of the, to the body if the sympathetic nervous system is too dominant? Is it detrimental to the body if the parasympathetic nervous system is too dominant? If anything is too dominant, then yes, there's definitely a problem. And with the work that I do and the um, research that I've done, nine times out of 10 years, I see that there's an issue with the sympathetic being more dominant. That's, that's tends to be what happens. And that comes from everything like chasing the American dream, you know, stimulant drive drinks, you know, even driving in a car, like all these things that are happening very fast, you know, like, you know, receiving messages on your phone, you know, getting likes on Instagram, like all these things that are just those hits. Notification on your phone, on your wristwatch. Mm -hmm. It's just inundated constantly. And once you're amped up, it doesn't take much to amp you up even more or to keep you amped up. Because it gets to the point where that's your baseline, where balance isn't the baseline anymore. And that's the problem. Because once you're amped up, it takes a while to come down. See, and this brings me back to this this situation in life that, like, I was in for a long time. Um, I would say probably from, it was most recognizable to me all through my 20s and into my early 30s, where, like, if I have ever had an opportunity to, like, have some downtime or relax, like, I would lay there, and it was just, like, I was just, like, mush. Like I would just would just plummet down hard. So it always like, and I didn't like that. Like I didn't like being in like that state. So like I always tried to avoid that as much as I could. So like you know, like you say, like my contrast because I was always up here, and then you know when I get into more of like this parasympathetic state where I'm starting to be drawn down, like it was just this absolute collapse because they were so far away from each other. 
that when my body recognized we were going down here, I would start to fight it mentally and emotionally. But my body was like, we need this. We need this. And it just didn't seem right. Because again, like you're just inundated. Like you should always be doing something. You should always be occupying your time. Like there's always other stuff to do. Like we're going to try to get ahead. You know, I got this business. I got this. I got kids. And it's, you know, but I understand now where it's the having like that little bit more of like a well-rounded package over like you take that time out how much easier it is actually just to be able to deal with life because there is a lot of life that should be handled by your parasympathetic nervous system versus our sympathetic nervous system because not everything demands you being this viking yielding a sword especially nowadays you know but it's like we still want to treat all these situations that way so we create these avenues you know like what we were talking about with those thrive patches you know like my correlation to this is like when you see these kids have these monster energy drinks that are like a liter or two sitting in a classroom trying to learn well it's like you're activating this sympathetic nervous system that makes you just want to go be a viking when you need to have your parasympathetic nervous system activated where you can just absorb and learn and it's like we are just drifting so far into that. Um, what is the impact on our bodies with our sympathetic nervous system just redlining so high all the time? Well, I think that everything you just said is a perfect example of why in Eastern medicine, we say 99% of disease starts in the mind. Mm. Yeah. Because Absolutely. your mind thoughts that drove your actions that created more imbalance and it's the same thing like what you just described with the energy drinks and stuff it's creating that that extreme polarity and and you know nobody that kids and 20 somethings not they don't want to like lay down and take a nap or go to bed early and get up early you know what i mean and so there's like almost this addictive thing that happens to those substances because of the fact that it's helping them to stay in this state that is not balanced, but that they've grown to love <laughs> being it, you know, and it's, um, and then it's activating the sympathetic on a more regular basis. Um, it, it, it just, it has tendrils that, extend into every aspect of life and it's something that when you learn to do it to stay in that sympathetic state when you're younger it, it doesn't necessarily go away very easily as you age in fact it can become like an ingrained behavior and it can translate into it can go from energy drinks to food to just behaviors in general to other things like you know, legal substances. I mean, who knows? But uh, addictions are not only to substances. The addiction is to the state that arises as a result of that substance or that behavior. Mm -hmm. And um, and that people are addicted to being in a sympathetic state. When you're in a sympathetic state, your body physiology changes. Like your pupils change so that you can see things at a distance because you know traditionally sympathetic meant something was probably chasing you and you needed to see where you were going to run to to get away from it so you weren't looking right here so now we're in a sympathetic state 
stressed out at work at our computer trying to see up close when our eyes are trying to see the horizon. We're going against our innate physiology. Um, and, and, and in being addicted to that sympathetic state, it keeps us out of actually being in the present moment because the present moment isn't always a life or death scenario. It's not always a threatening scenario. Um, and so to come out of that sympathetic state, we have to actually <clears throat> come into the present moment and be comfortable with that. And that can be difficult because we're wired to sort of, you know, not allow for uncomfortable things to arise within us. Kids have to realize that, oh, I, I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. You know, and get through the boredom to their creativity or to the nap they need to take. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's the same thing with adults, you know, when we're addicted to that sympathetic state, it's actually uh, a way sometimes to avoid what's actually under the surface. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, I need to grab water. No problem. Yeah, and for everybody who's listening right now, it's one of these things that I realized that, you know, it's so addicting to lean towards our sympathetic nervous system because like that's like where performance lies like that's where like all these things that are really great that we want out of our our everyday lives like they just I know for me like when I look at wanting to be able to successfully navigate from one scenario to another you know whether it be from the gym to the ice bath and then you know to a podcast and then to like everyday life, I just, I realized how easy it is to get addicted to that. So I'm just talking out loud right now um, about how easy it is to be able to be addicted to that, that sympathetic nervous system and, and like that state, like I love being relaxed and I love that state of mind, but it's just like, there's so many things. Like, I feel like the more things that I find that I enjoy, the more I get drawn to them, but they all take that, that energy and that push to be able to do it. Um, yeah. but like now it's like, you know, between the combination, like the sauna, the ice bath, I was in this machine, this device last night called the harmonic egg. I don't know if you've uh, come across it, it uses <laughs> sound and light therapy and stuff. Um, and, uh, so like that was, but like, for me, like, I just, I'm a seeker of just trying new things to be able to bring me down because like, I always feel like I make way better decisions when I'm in my parasympathetic nervous system state. Um, mm -hmm. And I love the conclusions that I come to. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I love doing podcasts so much because as much as I get charged up, I feel like I'm in that parasympathetic state because my thoughts become so much more clear and I understand and I can absorb so, so much more information. Um, the one thing that I wanted to cover in this too is that do you think it's a detriment that we kind of been trained to think that our immune system is this thing that just fights off a cold? Cause that's kind of the typical narrative. Like if you ask the average person, like what does your immune system do? And it's like, Oh, I need a strong immune system to fight off a cold. And like, that's really where it stops. It or like how we don't talk about it in terms of balance. We talk about it in terms of just like you said, of Vikings yeah like and like overall function right <laughs> like you know like what is this going to do or it's like you know or you say somebody like what can you do to strengthen your immune system especially nowadays they'll probably just tell you that you, you need to drink some bone broth or go make some bone broth soup you know like that's like 
that's as far as it goes. Or, you know, I need to get my flu shot for the year to make sure my vax or my, my immune system is strong and stuff. But it's like, you know, this way again, where it gets into like these things that it can be so educational for us, how to be able to bring this balance and this harmony to our lives and how that can affect everything from like being able to fight off getting a cold by not being so revved up in, in your sympathetic nervous system, just being overtaxed all the time, you know, just being able to deal with these viruses and these bacteria when they come into our body and when we come across them, because our parasympathetic nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system are just a lot more balanced and harmoniously working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, um, what organs get overtaxed or like we were talking about adrenal glands before, like mm-hmm. what happens to our adrenal glands when our sympathetic nervous system is just being redlined all the time? Well, it's constantly secreting stress hormones. And I mean, think of anything you overwork a muscle it's going to get tired and fatigued and dried out mm-hmm. same kind of thing. And then it gets to the point where you hit a wall and you have complete exhaustion because it can't keep up with the amount of stress hormones that your body is telling it to secrete or your mind is telling it to secrete. And so you get to the point where you crash and you crash hard. Like you can't go to work. It's like impossible to get up out of bed. And that can lead to, you know, and some people that might lead to things that don't really go away, like chronic fatigue or other things along those lines. So it's, it's a pretty serious, pretty serious thing to have happen. When your adrenal glands get overtaxed or, you know, run down, worn out, <laughs> burnt out, whatever happens, um, how long do they take to like get back up to normal, healthy function? If you're doing everything right. Good question. You know? I have that up to have the, the exact answer for you. Yeah, I find it because it's one of those things that you, presumably we would think that there's like, I don't even want to word this that way, that there's um, a storm of burnt out adrenal glands that are happening, especially in Western culture. Like, like you think like, you know, and if the, the result of this is just excreting a lot of stress hormones like cortisol into the into the body, like, you know, it, it there's always those trickle down effects, like what we know. Um, a lot of people don't understand what cortisol does in the body. A lot of people, when you talk about cortisol in the body, they only relate that back down to like weight gain. Um what does cortisol actually do in the body and how detrimental is it to have elevated levels consistently in the body all the time? Well, your heart rate gets elevated. Your, it changes the, it can have, if, if it's, if it's happening all the time, it's influencing the way your system behaves and the way, basically the way your whole body is, is functioning it it just keeps you in that sympathetic state and it's very taxing and very draining and from a chinese medicine perspective we would look at that as like um a yang depletion Mm -hmm. so you feel like you have this energy but on the other hand your body's actually exhausted Mm -hmm. it's like you're running on fumes and then you're 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 very deficient it's like a 
kind of like being top heavy in a way, you know, like there's no root, there's no grounding. There's no, the foundation is missing. It's things are just coming up and out of the body. And that the yang chi, it's just rising up and going out. And it, you can only do that for so long. And then you basically are, it's just, a, it's just depleting. It's completely depleting on every level. I just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's hard to get that back. It's hard to replenish mm-hmm. once the system's been taxed that way. What or is all, all of, I mean, all of the, the whole endocrine system changes the way everything behaves and what's getting secreted. It's hard on your, on your blood vessel walls and your, um, your heart. What are some of the the things people can look out for when they're starting to lean? Because I would say it's really hard to believe that people are living too much in a parasympathetic state. I I would assume that the vast majority of people are overtaxed in their sympathetic state. Right. Right. What, what are some of the things that like people can look out for and be like, Oh, that's me. Like what you just said, where like people are running on fumes. I'm sure a lot of people just put their hand up right there and been like, Oh, that's me. Um, but like, what are some of the other things that people can look for when, when they are in a sympathetic nervous state and they have like this abundance of cortisol and stress hormones in their body? Like, what are like, do we see physical changes in the body? Do we see emotional changes, cognitive changes? Like, what are some of the things yeah. that people could be aware of? You become of? more short-tempered. You become, you can become more moody, um, meaning you can be, you know, more volatile, whether uh, and fluctuate in between different emotional states like you can be sad you can be irritable you can be exhausted you can, you can just go through all these different things it can affect your sleep obviously cause insomnia um cortisol can can cause more glucose to enter the bloodstream so you're pumping more sugar into your body it it can affect everything so um yeah, what I I've started to go off on. I, now I don't remember what you asked. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's just like seeing like with those things that people are are looking for. You know, like when they when they realize they're they being in a sympathetic nervous state for too oh, long, or when cortisol okay. levels are too high. Right. You know, because like you know, being that's where people are like you know always leaving people with that little bit of information and stop and have to really chew on and be like you know, is this me? Like, am I experiencing these things? Do I see these physical things, you know, like in my bikes? Like we okay. talked about, like, cortisol levels are associated with like weight gain and stuff, right? So like, I know a lot of people have trouble losing weight because they're so chronically stressed because they have so much cortisol floating around in their body and so on and so forth. Clench your teeth. Hmm? Do, you, do you clench your teeth? Do you grind your teeth? Do you have um, upper back, neck, shoulder pain? Um... Do you feel tired a lot? Do you not sleep well? Is your mind racing? Do you anger easily? Do you have an indigestion? Do you get acid reflux? Are you constipated? Are you bloated and gassy? Um, Do you have muscle aches and pains? Do you have difficulty focusing? Do you notice that you're having difficulty finding words or remembering what you ate for breakfast. 
any of these things. <clears throat> you feel yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah, which, you know, and again, it's like one of these, one of these things that, you know, we're going to battle with so much because again, I'm sure like a lot of people could put their hand up and say like, yeah, like I experience a lot of those things every single day or on right. an extremely frequent basis. But then it gets back into this, like we partake in this society that kind of forces us to supercharge our, um, our sympathetic nervous system. Is there like, I'm sure like people are probably looking for like, well, okay, well, if I'm at work for eight or 10 hours a day, like if I sleep for eight or 10 hours, does that counter that? Because you presumably think it that or on the person, it's going to depend how depleted they already are, how long it's been going on, how much cortisol gets secreted on, on what kind of a basis in the body, how well the body is detoxifying the chemicals that get secreted when stress hormones are dominant. So, you know, it really varies on the person. And I don't, think that somebody who's living with chronic in a chronic sympathetic state for years is going to just get it um, reversed by sleeping well at night. Mm -hmm. One of the primary things that needs to happen is that the person needs to notice when they're in that state, when they're um, doing things that are purposely putting themselves in that state because they're comfortable being there. Um, and to reverse it by, and this is very simple, so it's probably going to go <laughs> over most people's heads or past or through one ear on yep. the other. Breathe better mm-hmm. using your diaphragm because when you take deep breaths, and I mean, it's almost annoying, I know, to hear, yep. to breathe, but when you take a deep breath, your diaphragm massages your vagus nerve which stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system. So your diaphragm is this muscle underneath your rib cage that's attached to your liver. And when you take a deep breath in, it presses down on all your internal organs. And when you let your body just without any effort exhale, the diaphragm pushes up and pushes the air out. And behind the diaphragm is your backbone and this nerve that comes down either side of it innervates a lot of your internal organs and tells them and your gut microbiome whether you should be producing stress chemicals or whether you feel safe and so when you take that deep breath in your diaphragm really massages that vagus nerve that causes your body to tell your brain that you're safe and it helps to calm you down now, do you feel comfortable feeling safe? Do you feel comfortable in your body? So these are things that can come up sometimes. For some people, they're just going to automatically notice, oh, okay, I started to relax. For some people, it might be something that's a little uncomfortable because you're the type of person who's never wanted to sit still. You know, you always keep go, go, going. And that's fine when you're 10, 20, 30. But once, you know, even in your 30s, if you've been overdoing it, and especially if you're not sleeping at night, especially if you rapid breathe on a chronic basis and shallow breathe with that rapidity, then it's going to affect you more and more and more as you get older. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to handle the sympathetic stress like you did when you were 18. It's just your body is a different animal 
Fun here is something interesting because obviously breath work because that um that book breath or breathe can't remember what it's called mm-hmm. is becoming very popular now and people are more willing to try so something that as a result of it that i wasn't expecting that would come out of it is how many people get anxiety from breathing deep and trying to relax yeah. because you would naturally assume that it would be um, it helped curb anxiety, but it goes to what you just said is where there's so many people who fear being relaxed, fear being connected with what might be being said in their mind, what might actually be going on in their heart and their soul, that when they get to that point of in that parasympath- parasympathetic state, that there's a lot of fear attached with that zone. And then the anxiety starts to to creep in where you know, like there's no place really to retreat to, you know, and like, that's what I find. Like there's a lot of people who are falling into categories like this in our life today because, you know, of everything that we get inundated with. But like you said, there's no, there's no safe zone for you to retreat to personally. Like there's no safe zone for you to retreat to physically, mentally, and emotionally because the the strategies that we could implement, you know, might actually trigger a worse response than what you're in right now it's very hard to watch that so people have to go slowly with it that have that sort of a reaction if you're finding that consistently say you try to take a few deep breaths a couple times a day for 10 days and every time you do it and you start to calm down you feel like not safe it's not a bad idea to seek out somebody who can help you over that hump because from from the perspective of like a meditation perspective, yoga or ancient Taoist practices, the practices that we go to that specialize in the parasympathetic nervous system, there is this hump that we all have to get through. And for some people, it might just be a little discomfort. For some people, it might be actually like traumatizing to have to go through because it's a lot and it's intense. But that's the hump underlying that or on the other side of that is the spaciousness of everyone's like true nature. The, the ground that underlies everyone's mental and emotional states. And that is consistent through every tradition that specializes in this sort of thing that there is a place inside every single one of us of peace and calm. But to, to, uh, to be able to truly experience that, sometimes we have to go through the fire. We have to go on the hero's journey. We have to go on the healer's journey. Whatever you call it from whatever mythological tradition or like Joseph Campbell would call it like the hero's journey or... Um, you know, the, the, heal, the healer's journey is like this, the dark night of the soul kind of thing. It's like that comes up. It can come up in little tiny pieces here and there frequently throughout our lives. It can come up as a, you know, big transformative event inside of us. But whatever it is, like sometimes we have to meet up to that resistance, which is the thing that we bounce off of into sympathetic a lot. You know, like we can experience peace and calm most of us at the end of 
a yoga class and shavasana, but then we try and sustain that. It's like all this stuff riled up, right? And then we're just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like do, you know, whatever is comfortable. And so, and that's, that's what the type of thing that can come up when you start to pay attention to your breathing. Because mm-hmm. it kind of brings you, it'll bring you to that kind of transitory place in between sympathetic and parasympathetic in between your amped up state and your actual resting state where you are safe, where there is peace and calm inside your body, because there's an aspect of us that doesn't necessarily believe that we're safe because we're in sympathetic so much. There must be something lurking around the corner, right? So we're always like, our tendency is to always go there and there's this sort of resistance inside of us. It's like a it's a innate, you know, thing that which is part of us as a species that will naturally emerge that we need to face, that we need to move through somehow and, and transform or learn to, you know, dodge within ourselves in order to be able to access the huge well of resource that we actually all do have that we're not taught that we have, you know, like, if this was something that was taught from childhood to really sit and, and, and have a deep breath that you are safe inside your body. And instead of emphasizing so much fear stuff, because it's more interesting or exciting or, you know, whatever society's addicted to it, then we'd be in a different place. So you probably, I, and I completely agree with you. And like, these are the things that hopefully we all start to take a little bit more responsibility about it and like educating our children about. So like, instead of starting at 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, like what we all are or did, um, that they're starting up at a lot younger and then hopefully this is going to be that generational knowledge that we can pass on so that we can come out of like all these situations a little bit more healthy. Um, Which let me just say real quick is the importance of elders in our society. Yes. I've been saying that so much lately where it's like, I feel like, I feel like we have no, no real knowledge to pass on to anybody because our knowledge gap stopped because we don't listen to like elder teaching any teachings anymore. And I kind of feel like maybe as like my generation or parents generation that kind of stopped that or curbed it. And like, there's this gap. Because, like, I think, like, what would we, in two generations from now, if somebody was like, oh, my grandpa, you know, said this and this and this. I'm like, we don't really have a whole lot of great value to, like, pass on in contrast to, like, what people have been passing on. Because it's, like you said, generational knowledge. It's not a collection of my grandpa's knowledge. It's a an accumulation of my grandpa, my great grandpa, my great great grandpa, and all those people, and like all that kept getting passed down, and like, but I'm like the knowledge that I'm gonna entertain, like, you know, for me and for people like you, maybe a little bit different. We, you know, podcasts like this, and we associate with so many people. Like, you kind of gain a lot of like, you know, um, emotional and intellectual wealth to be able to pass on to people, but like, there's still nothing great that's happening, like some old teachings you know like where last night I was sitting down with my mm-hmm. oldest daughter and we're sewing and I'm teaching her she's 10 and teaching her how to you know tie a knot after she's done like sewing something up and and something it's like 
that felt generational to me. Like, it's not something that I came up with. It's, I know it's not something that my mom or my grandma came up with or my dad or anything. But like, it was just these things have been passed down through generations. This is where we've got now. But it's like, what are we doing now? Like, what are we actually doing right now? And if anything we can do, it's like, we have this responsibility to kind of grab some of this knowledge from, you know, teachings of elders and be like, let's restart this process because this process needs to be restarted in a major way because simply sitting down and listening to an elder talk, like your, could be your grandpa, could be your grandma, could be somebody else's elder, could be an elder, like in the community. How many children out of a hundred do you think would have the patience to do that today? Because we don't teach them. Right. You know, so I guess like that's, these are the things that, you know, that I, I am now thoroughly convinced one of the worst things that's ever happened to our planet is major urban centers. Like I get in all these conversations in so many different areas. And I feel like everything kind of comes back down to being in a major urban center. That's just like, not really great from food security, food sustainability, understanding of oneself, respecting elders, respecting community, respecting nature, understanding your place in community, understanding the impact that you have on the planet, all of these things. Like they're so lost in urban centers. When you walk on concrete, you naturally shallow breathe. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't... Sympathetic nervous system. Yeah, and I tell people all the time who don't spend a lot of time in nature, I'm like, nature's not as hard as what you think it is, because it's not. You know, like when you're walking around in the forest, and you can walk around it, you know, basically barefoot or something really minimalist style of shoe, because like, it's like a cushion, you know, yeah. asphalt and concrete Yeah, like they're hard, but that's not what it's like to walk around in nature It's a very, very forgiving surface. So. Um, I know that we got to wrap it up because you're running out of time here. Yeah, five minutes or something. Yeah, but it's uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm glad we got through what we did though. Like, I really wanted to just touch on some key points with the nervous system. And thank you for carving like this last two hours out to be able to spend with me. I I know my day is going to be just so much better because of it, and I appreciate you so well, much. I appreciate you too. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks, Bridget. <laughs>